Yo MTG Taps is sponsored by LegitMTG.com. Strategy, streams, and singles, LegitMTG has it all. Oh yeah, and now us. So check us out every Friday on LegitMTG.com and stop back every weekday for more great Magic the Gathering content and product. Welcome back to Yo MTG Taps. I'm Big Head Joe. And I'm Stephen Marshall. <laughs> and I'm Chris Casby. Yes, Chris Casby's here. Okay, this weekend, um, first of all, Stephen, can you give me a 30-second tournament report uh, from uh, from Saturday? Or Sunday, rather? I went to the Mavericks game. Right, well, so what was that tournament report? Because it was a tournament. You went to the tournament. Give me a report. Um, security asked someone in the front row in a Rondo jersey to leave. That yeah, was so, awesome. what was, so what was that about? I saw you <laughs> posting pictures about that. Like, why did why was this guy being kicked out? Did they just not like Rondo or what? Oh, I don't know. But, like, I, at first I was joking. Like, I posted that picture. I was like, ha, ha, they're asking him to leave because he's wearing a Rondo jersey. He's not allowed here anymore. And then, like, another member of security started coming up and talking to him. And then, like, he, like, took out his ticket and was, like, pointing to it and gesturing. And they actually did walk him out into, like, the, the lobby and then they like they're still talking to him. I don't know. Maybe he was like part of uh, Rondo's, like I don't know, uh, crew or something. And they're like, your tickets are no good here no more. I don't know. I don't know why they kicked him out. <laughs> maybe maybe Those they... tickets were probably expensive too. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe he either had like a a, a bumped like a bogus ticket or like maybe he was sitting in the wrong seats. You know what I mean? So, and that could happen. I've I've done that before, but they've only just told me to go to my my actual seats. It was great. Like I went to a baseball game, and I was and I just was like, because like, the best way to get like to sneak into a seat is that like you don't sneak past the security guards. You look them right in the eyes and you say, "Hey, how's it going?" You know what I mean. You just walk down to whatever damn seat you want. So like, uh, I had tickets that were like way up in the in the upper deck uh, at an Orioles game. And uh, I went and I just went right behind home plate. <laughs> I was just sitting back there. I was sitting there behind home plate, eating peanuts, tossing them on the ground, heckling Ken Griffey Jr. Because it was right after he like fell asleep in the clubhouse a couple years ago. Um, is he then, still playing baseball? I don't think he is anymore. But he was <laughs> no. for a minute. And like he definitely like was supposed to like come out but like he fell asleep <laughs> in the clubhouse it was just really hilarious um so i was like i was like you awake look alive griffy look alive and i was just heckling him so then a, a usher comes down and he's like uh, can i see your ticket and i'm like yeah sure and like this, I'm, this is me i'm so like carefree i'm like yeah sure and i show him my ticket and he just looks at it, he just shakes his head no and just points all the way up to the <laughs> upper deck i was like oh oh all right sorry i didn't know what the heck i was doing <laughs> I just went up to my seats, but it was pretty funny. Anyway, like, can I finish my peanuts? Yeah, right. Well, I, well of course I can finish my peanuts. They didn't kick me out. You know, I just went to my seats. Um, but I got to sit back there. You know, sit back behind home plate for a couple innings. So it was pretty good. Um, so good uh, the, Mav- the Mavs won, right? <laughs> they did. They staved off uh, elimination for one more game. Very good. Very good. The okay. grim specter of death has been held at bay, if but for a moment. <laughs> yeah. The moment at best. 
Um, cool. So that was your tournament report. Uh, after I convinced you to not attend the tournament that we played in, um, <laughs> because I didn't think you would have time to get there, and I think I was right uh, because it wound up being a pretty decent size event. It was like sixty-two players or something, right? So yeah, it was just short of the seven rounds. Just short of seven rounds, but uh, wound up being six rounds. Um, and uh, yeah, so I show up to my LGS Common Ground Games. Uh, to play in this event, and who do I run into but Mr. Chris Casby of the Scrubland podcast? Um, and uh, it was it was awesome. I was like, "What the hell are you?" He, well, at first he says, "What the hell are you doing in Dallas?" I was like, "I live here. I'm married here. What the hell are you doing in Dallas?" So all right. So so for background, like I met Joe back when he lived in Baltimore. Word. Like God. Six or seven years ago? December 7th, 2010. Yeah. So um, it was a long time ago. Yeah. So that's that's when I met Joe, like, that long ago. So, like, we see each other every once in a while, like, at tournaments over there. And I kind of I, – I play probably a lot less competitive Magic than I did back when I was podcasting, like, regularly. So I just kind of just stopped seeing everybody. And I'm in Dallas right now doing, like, work for my sister. And I run into Joe, not anywhere near Baltimore. <laughs> yeah. So that, that, that's, where the, that's why it's kind of weird for us to be like, what? One of the most amazing things about this game, you know? So, yeah. So, uh, anyway, uh, just, just briefly, because uh, I know y'all stopped uh, doing your show. Um, just without, you know, if possible, without throwing anyone under the bus here. Uh, what happened to your show? Why are you not doing it anymore? Oh, um, well, so like, I don't know if, if anybody remembers us, like anybody listening to this show is like, oh yeah, I remember Scrubland. Like we were kind of like, like we were jokingly like Chris Otwell, who runs, uh, MTG cast. He was on one of our shows once and he, you know, like kind of amiably referred to us as the town drunks. Right. <laughs> So, like, he was like, yeah, you guys are just the drunks of MTG cast. You know, we're like, oh, that's funny. Ha ha ha. You know, and, um, you know, and it, we were always kind of like the tongue in cheek. Like we we were, you know, we kind of labeled ourselves as a comedy cast. Like we, we had legitimate content about magic. Sure. But we, you know, we were a little bit more abrasive than some of the other casts. You know, we definitely were more PG. Um, and I think it just got to a point where. There, one of the guys on the cast, D-Sale, was doing, like, the brunt of the work just because he knew how to do it. Mm-hmm. Like, he was doing, like, the editing and just – he would set up the recording and all that stuff. And, Sounds familiar, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, and it wasn't anything like, you know, like, hey, wh- why aren't you doing this? It was just a matter of, like, you know, we all just kind of assumed he would do it. And I think he just got a little sick of it. So we started doing it a little bit less and less. Like, we did it weekly for, like, probably, like, two or three years. And then we kind of started doing it like once every couple weeks, then like once a month, and then once every few months, and then just kind of got to a point where we just haven't done it in a long time. Right on, but, right on. Um, I mean, me like everyone's still cool. Like details oh, yeah. my roommate back in Richmond. Like Word. so, it's like we're we're all still cool. It's just you know jobs kind of get in the way. Like like I said, I'm working in Dallas, so it's kind of hard. You know when you're like just working full time and just when you're making less time for your fun, like what little time you do have for fun. You can't, you know, you can't always dedicate time for a podcast too. <laughs> totally, no, absolutely. I, I trust me, I know that feeling. 
but I miss it. Like it, it, it was always really fun. Like you know, like our fans still like you know the two of them like still are like, hey, you guys gonna ever put out a cast again? We're like, yeah, no, never. Well, uh, it's mostly just like, yeah, we're we're recording one right now, and yeah. then you know, I, to be fair, we've recorded some in the past six months. We've recorded two in the past two six in the uh, past six months that just haven't gotten out because of issues with MTG Cast. Well, I mean, mm. not not anything malicious. I think it was like one of them was definitely our fault. And then another one was just like a miscommunication. Right. But, so it, it happened and then you were like, oh, well, the moment's passed and you just didn't even. Yeah. Well, yeah. that was the thing. Like a lot of our stuff, like we would always talk about draft formats. Like that was a big thing. Like we drafted a lot and like, you know, a you know, couple months after the set's out, like nobody cares anymore. So it's just like, yeah, why, why bother? Why right. If you've sat on it for so long. <laughs> yeah. After a point there, it just becomes. Uh, yeah. Obsolete in a way. Um, yeah. And, and we definitely had. We had a limited episode, oddly enough, where we recorded a whole episode, but then it was like, I don't remember what happened, or something happened where I I listened back to it, and I was just like, oh, I'm not really crazy about this, and I was like, maybe I'll sit on it for a little while, and then like two weeks later, I was like, I don't even want it, I'm just not even putting it out, so <laughs> I just didn't even put it out. The best when you do like your own like pseudo like set review, and you listen to it like a little bit later, you're like, man, I was so wrong. <laughs> well, that's, let's see, that's some of my what favorite stuff. <laughs> no, honestly, though, I love that stuff. Like, we've actually got, um, we've started putting some sort of uh, accountability to that so like now like when we do the set reviews on the show notes we'll have like will it see play in standard yes or no and we both and we've been actually keeping at least for dragons we kept pretty good records in our show notes of what we both said for each card and then we're going to do the same thing for magic origins and then right before uh the uh zendikar unbound comes out i'm just kidding i don't know what the hell it's called <laughs> but um <laughs> right before the fall set comes out we're gonna go back and um and see how right we were about those things and and it's hold our possible. hold ourselves accountable for that yet yeah. it'll be funny i love that there's a soccer player named drink water is his last name uh feels like a public service announcement every time they show the back of the shirt um or, or someone telling me to do that i'm sitting here with like endless amounts of sodas I'm like, drink water, drink water. I wonder if there's something I should do right now. I'm thirsty. Yeah, right. It's working. (laughs) So, uh, but cool, yeah. So to to both of the Scrubland podcast fans, hi, and I'm guessing D-Sale listened to this too, so hey, man, miss you. Um, So cool, yeah. So, uh, but anyway, here we are tonight, and tonight is the night. Um, my cat is here. Steven's here. Chris is here. We're going to rock and roll. Uh, so we played in this P in this, uh, PPTQ. It was a PPTQ and it does was not roll off the tongue the same. <laughs> it was a TCG player platinum event. So, uh, there was a, it was a one K. So there was a thousand bucks on the line, uh, for the top eight, I had 62 players. So we had six rounds, which was just under the seven round requirement, which made things kind of rough in terms of like the cut, you know, the right. cut, the cut was tough, man. Like you could, you could go like, there were like X ones worrying about making it, you know, like, well, right. So we were talking about, I was talking about it with one of the guys there and he was four and one going into round six. And I was like, Oh, you can, you can probably draw in now. And he was like at the bottom of the four ones. Yeah. So he was just like, it was, you know, part of it was like there was a good chance he was going to get pared down. 
against someone who couldn't draw in. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, he was just like, dude, my breaker sucks so bad. Like, yeah. I don't even feel comfortable. Like, even if it looks good, I don't know if I want to. Right. Just right. because I'm so, so far at the bottom. But <clears throat> he ended up top eighting. So that's what. <laughs> nice. Nice. But, uh, yeah, I did not. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. So um, my, my sealed pool, I left that event um, feeling very good. Because my sealed pool was just money, like money, money, money. So my sealed pool was in terms like of financially just, speaking. <laughs> financially, here were my here were my rares. I had Bloodchin Fanatic, right? Secure the Wastes, Collected Company, Narset, Crux of Fate, and Whisperwood Elemental. So that's a sick little pool in terms of like you know, at least breaking even or better. Uh, well, right. Like the Narset basically covered your entry fee. <laughs> Narset covers the entry fee. Uh, Whisperwood uh, adds a little value. Crux, I think it only has nowhere to go, but up uh, because it's very good. And Ojutai and, and it's the, featured in the best deck in the format. <laughs> it absolutely is. Yeah. That, that card will go up in value and collected company is mistakenly priced higher than crux of fate um but anyway uh so pretty sick uh pool there Uh, what i wound up building was i wound up building a green blue deck um and i splashed red uh for a couple for a bathe in dragon fire and a tail slash um i had what did i have for my splash i had a map the wastes and I had the green red uh, tap land, so a decent, you know, decent splash. I never, I never had trouble. I think I had more trouble hitting double blue the whole week or the whole tournament than I had hitting my my red mana source. Um, but anyway, um, so the reason why I went green blue uh, was I had quite a few. Um, of the I had the, the will of the Naga. I had the void whatever the five mana bounce rebound spell um I void had squall yeah that i had a uh, wait Solom- what void what? squall yeah is that card good yeah it's good it's that's just... exactly what i said <laughs> yeah it's good <laughs> I, I assumed you're talking about the like the delve one that like is, is an instant return no no this is it's good man it's good it it, it, it it's they, I mean, they, I think it's fine and sealed. Like, yeah. Like, oh, like I wouldn't draft about, like, it. You know, you just play like a six drop and like you're just like bounce it. No, yeah. don't encourage him. I did it. No, I did. I mean, it was good. It, Joe it was... likes to play really bad blue sorceries for Shut some up. reason. Shut your mouth. Like, um i scheming. See, my cat's even mad at you for even bringing that up. <laughs> He's like, stop bringing that up. I mean, Tygum scheming is as good as the number of treasure cruises in your deck. There were none. There were none. No, I know. There should be no Tiger schemes in your deck. Not in this (laughs) format. uh, It wasn't in this format. He's he's giving me a hard time for uh, another tournament we played in, but um, which I made it further than him in, by the way. Uh, so. So you're saying he should have played more Tiger schemes? Yeah, man, he should have drafted mono Tiger scheming. Um, Well, I had a few beers and got home safe, so I should have drunk more. (laughs) <laughs> I'll get home safer. There you go. Yes, exactly. Right. Um, yeah. anyway. Logic is logic. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, didn't do so hot. 
Well, so you started off pretty strong. Like you started, started out two zero. I started no, I started out two one. Um, oh, did you I think start? I, did you, I thought you went? You were at two zero, and then you you lost your. No, I was I was one and one, and then I okay. I think I got all the way to three and one, maybe three and one, or maybe I even got to four and one, but then I just lost two straight. I, I'm no, not four. I did not have four wins. I finished the day three three, so I definitely started out. Three and one, and then lost my last two rounds and lost out of any prize. So, uh, but yeah, the deck wasn't too great. Um, <sighs> so my deck, like, I, like I looked at it and I was like, man, this deck looks good. Like I felt strong. Like I was like, yeah, I could easily top eight with this. I did not do <laughs> well at all. So obviously, my understanding of the format is a little bit off. <laughs> But, um, I mean, I ended up in a, uh, like a black, white, like semi-aggressive deck, but it was, it was definitely like more, you know, more along the lines of the three and four drops of, of the fat. But, uh, I was splashing red for a bathing dragon fire and, uh, swift war kite. Is that what he's called? The six drop that you can bring a three drop from your graveyard. Yeah, that card is play. so good. good. Yeah, that card's amazing. My and God. I had, I had two of the black, red uh gain lands and i played one mountain so i didn't really ever really have a problem with hitting red i only played two red cards but i had like i had a flatten i had a reach of shadows i had two pacifisms and my creatures were were okay like they weren't amazing but they were okay so i was like okay well this is just a lot of removal and just dudes that are okay like i I should do fine and i did not do well at all like like i just like one one match, I just totally got I just tilted myself because I just didn't understand an interaction, mm-hmm. and it just the it just kind of threw me for the whole match because I was just kind of on tilt. But um, what was the interaction was, uh, if you remember? Yeah, it was uh, I played a Vulturous Aven, which is the uh, three and a black for a two three exploit a creature. When you exploit a creature, lose two life, draw two cards. Very so card. I play it, and he goes with with the exploit trigger on the stack. I'll flatten it. And I was like, okay, cool. So I put it in the graveyard, and I was like, so exploit resolves? And he's like, yeah, that's fine. So I sack a creature, and then I draw cards. And he's like, whoa, 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 what are you doing? And I was like, well, I'm I'm resolving the exploit. Like, I'm losing two life and drawing two cards. And so we call a judge over, and, like, to the, I have checked with multiple judges, and it's correct, but it just doesn't make sense to me that, like, if the creature is not in play when the exploit resolves, then you don't get the effect. And so, like, to me, that just didn't make any sense because I was, like, to me, like, it's kind of like, I don't know, like a last known information type thing or, like, obviously you're exploiting. You can't just exploit. It's linked to something, right? So it's obviously linked to this creature that's in the graveyard. I don't know. Like, it, but I get it reason, now. Like, I, I just it. didn't get to draw the cards. I get, I, I get it. I get the interaction. I actually do. I get it. Yeah. So um, here's, the, here's the reason why that is correct. So, and I've never had this come up for me, but now that I'm thinking about it, this is what it says. So, um, for example, uh, Vulturous Avon, right? Let's just pull it up. Uh, it says flying, and then it's, a, it's a, you know, whatever, casting cost, etc. It says exploit. When this creature enters the battlefield, you may sacrifice a creature, okay? So here's what happens. So your creature is on the battlefield, Right? You you or you cat you, you your creature resolves it enters the battlefield the exploit trigger goes on the stack, okay? Right. 
So now your exploit triggers on the stack. So now your opponent got rid of your creature. So now what is no longer on the battlefield is the text when Vulturous Avon exploits a creature, you draw two cards and you lose two life. Right. Yeah, so, that's what it was explaining so to me about the hedge edge. It's two separate. If, if exploit, figures. yeah, if exploit, if every exploit was draw two cards and lose two life, right, the exploit keyword would actually say, when this creature enters the battlefield, you may sacrifice a creature. If you do, you draw two cards and you lose two life. Right. So if you know what I mean. So if every exploit was that, it would be part of the keyword. It would be part of that trigger. So, and this is good to know because I literally did not know this, and this is good information to have if you're playing in Dragons of Tarkir Limited, because you'll want to use take advantage of this too. That creature gets killed then that text that's on that creature that follows the exploit is no longer there, so you get nothing. Right. So that's basically uh, what happened with that, was that right. you you still had the option, um, when you resolved the exploit trigger, you had the option to sacrifice a creature. So you still had that option, you took that option, and then you got no... But I didn't get any good stuff out of it. <laughs> right. You just got two... Such a weird ability to have it common. Yeah, it really is. It is a strange ability to have it common. And um, and it's a strange way for that ability to work, too. Because that is very, very awkward and very, uh, like, feels like very corner case kind of thing. But it's not so corner case. It's, it's, it's one of those way less corner case than it feels. Yeah, it was a common removal spell killing a common creature. <laughs> right, yeah. right. And it's like, you know, it's a keystone mechanic for two of the colors. So it's like... Yeah, I, just, I hadn't played a whole lot. I've drafted probably about a dozen times in the format. Like, I'd played a couple sealed events. Like, you know, I, I didn't feel particularly confident going in. But, like, when I looked at my pool, I was like, okay, yeah, this this pool is, it feels pretty strong. And, um, you know, just, just throughout the day, I just kind of saw, like, how bad my pool was compared to the other ones. Like, it, like, you you know, I, like, I've always kind of been, like, a limited player. Like, I've always kind of just... I play more draft and sealed than anything else, you know? And I've always tried to stray away from the mentality of, like, oh, sealed is just a luck-driven format. You open bombs and you play them, right? Mm-hmm. So I always try and find, like, the little, you know, key, you know, little, little loopholes around that. But, like, this format just... Man, like, yesterday, just, like, I got my face pounded, like... Round one, I got beat by a guy who had like an Ugin and a Dragonlord Silmgar. And I was just like, oh, like it just, it just feels so bad to start your day like that. And then like, it's just throughout the day, like every loss I took, I was just like, oh, cool. Dragonlord and Tarka. Like, oh, like, it's like, oh, multiple secure ways. Okay. Like, yeah, like it just, it, you know, I, I think just because like I was just on like my, my, my momentum was like going downward. Like, it just continued to go that way, and it just mm-hmm, sure. didn't feel good. But, um, sure. you know, like, I think that there's a lot of things about this, this format in particular. Like, I think looking at my pool again, I probably should have just tried to force my green. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I had reasonable creatures. Like, like a, a part of me is always kind of like, okay, your cur- curve is the most important part. So it's just like, okay, if I don't have good two drops, I can't play this color combination, right? Mm-hmm. But I think this format is slow enough and the bombs are so bomby that you like playing cards like Return to the Earth, like you just play it. 
just because oh absolutely you know it's just like and like to be fair like if you have that card in your green if your green is even reasonable you should probably just play green because like just having access to that type of card like like return of the earth like is just in this format i think it's just really good because not only does it kill the flying bombs it kills like the other bombs from like fate reforged Mm-hmm. Yeah, like yeah. the Citadel sieges and the palace sieges and like just just stuff that's like you didn't like it's just extra value on top of the fact that it kills all the ridiculous dragons in this set. So like I I had one of those and like looking back at my pool, it's like, well, I had a couple of the three two regenerating bears and, you know, uh, like a four one that, you know, the when he has a counter on it, he has reach. Like I had a couple of guys in there that was reasonable and I had return to the earth. I was like, well, I should have just played green because I had <laughs> access to that card, you know. So I think if I had just kind of thought about it from that aspect when I was going into it instead of like, oh, like I have these uh, good curves of, of two, threes and fours and I have a couple of fives and a couple of sixes. Like I was like I was thinking of addressing it too much of like a draft format. I was just like, oh, I just want a good curve. As opposed to, oh, I want to play answers or powerful cards. Yeah, so. that's, that's that's probably one of the biggest differences between the draft and sealed format. Um, is that, yeah, something like Return to the Earth is something that's unplayable in draft, but like an automatic... See, I don't even difference. think it's unplayable in draft. I mean, it's obviously significantly worse. Um, just, just because you can be... usually pick up more efficient removal, but... I just don't know about <laughs> auto main deck it. I mean, there's just so many dragons, man. <laughs> like, I don't think luck. any color combination you're just going to be dead. Like, like, uh, like your mono green opponent, like he <laughs> might not have a flying creature, I guess. Like, but I mean, other than that, like every other every other player at the table is probably going to have some number of flying creatures. Yeah, yeah. I, I was just saying that, like in sealed, like if you open a bomb, that's likely going to be in your deck. Yeah, like people are just going to put like they're just either going to they're going to tilt their their sealed build towards those bombs, and like. I don't know. I don't know what the actual number is, but like fifty percent of the bombs in Dragons of Tarkir are are dragons, so they, you know they're, they're flying. Um, but like you know, in draft, you could theoretically <coughs> actually have like an aggro deck, or you might just like open a a flying bomb, but it's just it's not in your color, so it's just not in your deck. Right. Yeah, and I, that that was my problem last time I played sealed was I opened a Dragon Lord of Tarka and I built my deck around it like I so I basically I built a green red ramp deck my only problem was I didn't have any ramp to put in there but like I was like oh man if I had some ramp this would be sweet I don't have any ramp mom's gonna build it anyway and I built it and it was terrible um this time well I've got these six five drops (laughs) yeah this time around I I built I feel like I built a pretty decent deck. I feel like I have a bit... I, I My inexperience with the format cost me some... Uh, at least some results, you know? Um, because I haven't had a chance to play as much limited as I would like. And uh, so I haven't had a chance to really get a feel for exploits and stuff like that. And just how, how this, these interactions work. Um, and it's, you know, it sucks. Like, I mean, I think, like, there was, like several times where I had the uh, the Silumgar Sorcerer in my hand and I could have cast it, but I just didn't realize I could exploit it to itself. Like, I'm serious. Like, I was just like, I just didn't even think about it. I'm like, well, I don't want to sacrifice any of the creatures that are on the battlefield, so I'm not going to play it. 
Like, literally, was what I did. So, yeah. Um, well, that's now not, you know. That's not good. <laughs> um, so, so I think that that cost me a lot. I feel like I built a decent deck. I'm not sure I built the best deck my pool had available to me. I was very tempted, uh, just like I was tempted with the Dragon Lord. I was very tempted to try to run um, Narset, even though I know it's bad, like to build blue white. And I had some pretty decent stuff in white, like Secure the Wastes. Um, well, so and- a card like uh, Crux of Fate is like one of those things in Sealed that can like really just push your deck over the edge. Was your black just like totally not like it was, was just nothing? Pretty weak. It was definitely yeah. It was pretty weak. Uh, I, I I did not like what I had. The Bloodshin Fanatic and the Crux of Fate were pretty much the only two great black cards I feel in the pool. But those I also are might not great be, cards. <laughs> I might not. I might be misevaluating those uh, those that uh, that color. And I also I I feel like. The last two events I've played in, I've had decent white pools, and I haven't played white. So, like, I'm thinking, like, maybe I'm scared to play my white cards. I don't know. It's just, it's weird. So, I built what I thought was the best deck. Um, I don't have any regrets because I do feel like there is the variable of me not having enough experience with the format to play my deck optimally. You know, so um, so I can't really evaluate if I built correctly or not. You get me? I get you, Joe. Okay. (laughs) Thanks. Yeah, I I feel like if I had played in like three or four more sealed events, um, I could have done better with the deck. Um, I felt like the deck was good. I mean, Whisperwood Elemental is good. I didn't know if you knew guys. I don't know if you guys knew that. Um, And I feel like I had some pretty strong cards. Um, but I, I'm just not sure. I'm not sure. I mean, how can you really tell if what you built is the best? Like, like the, the last, the last event was easy. That green red deck was wrong, 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 wrong. Um, I looked at my pool and it was, it should have been, what was it? Black, white. I think was what I got to when I re-looked at the, when I looked back at the pool, I was like, oh no, this is a black, white deck. What was I doing? Um, I totally had an amazing black, white deck that I did not play. Um, this time around, I really do feel like I took my two strongest colors and then splashed for two really good removal spells. Um, so I really do believe that. Um, I mean, I looked I'm... at your I looked at your deck. Sorry, I I dropped something and I had to run off to clean it up oh, real quick. So I think I missed fine. it a little bit. But your no, I looked at your deck. Your deck looked perfectly reasonable. Like you, like like the color commitments were a little awkward because you had a couple of like double greens and a couple of double blues and they're yeah. you know they were like kind of in like the three and four spot and like you know when you're playing like three color your splash like you had a pretty easy splash because you had like the mana fixing but it was just kind of like it was a little bit awkward and i saw a couple games where it kind of looked that way too where it's like you know you'd yeah. have a cylinder sorcerer in your hand but you had like green green blue. red in play yeah or, oh, yeah or man. something like you know like green red blue and like it was just like just awkward like not not something that's probably you know, it, it probably didn't happen a lot, but it was just like the little times. No, I actually just like, oh, that sucks. No, I actually had a lot of trouble hitting double blue all day, which uh, which sucks. But um, but I really wanted to play those uh, double blue spells I had in there. I can't remember what they all were. The one was Silumgar Sorcerer. Uh, the Did other. Did you have one... the one that made the the tutus? No, I, if I had that, it would have been oh, okay. 
that would have probably been another island in the deck. <laughs> but, you had something um, that costs like three. You had something that costs three blue blue, right? Four blue blue. Will of the Naga. Will of the Naga. Okay. And that was very good. That was very good. Whenever I got to actually cast it, that was amazing. All right. So real quick on, on Will of the Naga. So apparently this is like a big thing, like like with like a number of different like community, like just just different groups of players that I've talked to. Like some people love Will of the Naga. They think it's, like, the greatest thing since sliced bread. And then there's some people, like Owen Turtenwald. Like, for instance, like, I was watching him stream the other day. He didn't stream very often, but, like, I saw him randomly streaming on Twitch. I watched him. And he's, like, vehemently against that card. Like, he was really? just kind of, like, just if you play that card, you're going to lose. Like, guarantee it. You're not going to do well. Like, and it was just, like, it was, like, it was so weird hearing him say that. I was Because, like, I've kind of just been on the, the point of, like, well, some decks want it and some decks don't. But he was just, like, so far in the corner of just, like, dude, the card's awful. Like, no, there's not a deck that wants to play it. Like, if, if you, you know, there's probably a different card that you should be playing over that card, like, no matter what your deck is. And, like, it was just so weird. And then on the other side, you know, you have other people that you hear that's like, oh, the card's great. Like, if you're in control, if you're an aggro, it doesn't matter. You should play it. Well, that's really interesting. The thing that's been interesting is, like, I was watching some clips from Channel Fireball. And uh, they were talking about just how differently uh, different groups are evaluating these cards. Like pros, like going into the Pro Tour, like you had uh, Frank Karsten, who was uh, um, who had his own like uh, pick orders, and then you had the Pantheon team that had a totally different pick order and color preferences. Like there, like each group like hated a different color, and so they like. Like the one, I forget who it was, but one of the teams had pacifism as like 20th on the list, like <laughs> in draft. Really? Yeah, no, that's, 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 that's how much they hated white in the format. Well, so, like a like, lot of people, they, they, like, they've just kind of made it to the point where it's like pacifism is like bad, like actively bad against like half of the decks in the format because exploit is a thing. So it's just like any yeah. deck that you're playing against that has black or blue in their deck they're going to minimize the effect of pacifism. But, right. I mean, to me, it's still just like, well, even if they're stacking their best dude that I pacified, that's, like, if they're getting marginal value off of it, okay, whatever. But it's like, at least I got that guy to stop from killing me. You know? Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> But they're they're so, like, you know, they're to the point where sometimes they're just like, oh, if I'm playing against, you know, if I happen to have a pacifism in my deck, if I'm playing against a blue or black guy that played exploit creatures, I'm just taking them out. And I'm just like, really? Like, that seems, like, crazy to me. But, like, they're that's what they're, you know, like, I've seen some of the drafts, and they're just like, yeah, this guy's just exploiting a lot. I'm just going to take these pacifisms out. I, I get it. I get it. I'm not sure I would do it. I'm not sure I would ever think <coughs> I, should, I should board out my pacifisms because they don't have creatures. <laughs> like, they're going to have creatures. I, I don't know. Well, that's I, what I'm saying. Like, you know, it's like even, like, you know, it, it's it's not obviously not as good as it used to be, but it's still, like, just a speed bump, just to say, hey, I don't want to die right now. So, you know, yeah, it's like it's like a will of the naga <laughs> in a way until they can deal with it. Yeah, um, and then you know, if 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 ultimately the the result is that creature is off the battlefield, and then it's like a removal spell, so that's not terrible. Yeah, so right. I can I can see your your um, <clears throat> disagreement with that and probably second it. Um, but anyway, so uh, what's coming up? I mean, so the next the next limited 
events that we have. We've got um, the SCG open in, in three weeks, and then we've got. Um, Is that limited? No, no, that's 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 standard. <laughs> but then there on the twenty third. Um, we've got a uh, GPT for Dallas uh, at Common Ground that's going to be Modern Masters sealed. Oh, uh, so I'm really excited about that. Be because, uh, it's a bummer. <laughs> uh, because that's the week before Vegas, which is also Modern Masters sealed. So it'll be really good practice. And then plus, you know, winning that gets you two buys for Dallas, which would be very nice. Um, so, yeah, so there's a lot of limited coming up. Um, well, I'm going to – so one of the reasons I played at this – PPTQ uh-huh. is because I'm like like I said I'm I'm flying back to Richmond uh, on Thursday yeah but I plan on going to GP Atlantic City oh awesome uh so and that's limited well yeah that's 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 the format we just played oh wow uh, Dragon Sealed and man like I like I like I said I I play a lot of limited but man like after that beating I took on Sunday I'm just kind of like oh I need to rip some packs and just start doing sealed pulls or something. Mm-hmm. Because, like, I just did not understand the format the way I thought I did. Yeah, yeah. And, and to know. be fair, like, I didn't have a great grasp on it, but, man, I thought I had a better grasp than that. Like, Right. And I, 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 that's actually great a great transition because um, I wanted to kind of just talk about, in general, some of my habits when I'm actually in the habit of practicing for these events. Um, just, in general, things that can help people, uh, you know, do better at sealed because i feel like sealed is very much like there's a lot of like process that goes into it that's really boring like when we play test sealed um i make everyone register their sealed pools i make everybody sort and alphabetize their sealed pools register and then pass and that's what we did when we practiced we opened packs we registered and we passed the packs. I'm like, I'm like, what I, the thing I've tried to teach everyone is that when you open your packs and uh, James Black uh, at the event was uh, was talking about this too, and and I couldn't agree with him more. Like, you just don't have any emotion about the cards that you're opening because those won't be your cards. Because I remember uh, Zach actually was like, was like, man, my first sealed pool was great, and I was like, stop right there because that was never your sealed pool. I was like, right. you never. That was never your sealed pool. You never got to play with those cards. You were just pulling uh, stuff out, <laughs> right? I, like, so I've just really like tried to drill everyone on just being a secretary and never care about what you could have had because grass is always greener, you know, and it's always something you can point at that doesn't, you know, oh well, the cards I opened were way better than the cards I played. How much better of a player do you become every time you say that? Right. You know, you never you never gain anything from that. Like I don't ever gain anything personally. I don't gain anything from from saying that I got mana screwed. You know, like like on like the like the game where I kept a blue like I kept like blue red in my hand and didn't draw a third mana source. And it was a green source, but it wasn't for like till like turn five. You know, I didn't say, Oh, I got mana screwed. I said, Oh, I made a poor mulliganing choice and I should have probably mulliganed there. You know what I mean? Like I don't ever look at it like like um, you know, oh, I just give it up to variance. And even if it was variance, because there are times when it's variance, Steven knows that I hate to admit that variance is a real thing that exists in Magic the Gathering. Um, but I don't like to to use that because I don't learn anything from from saying I lost to variance. I always try to find something that I can learn from and improve as a player. But anyway, one of the things that I've always tried to 
get people to do is to register your steel pools, have no emotion about it. Don't, don't care. Never drop. Like, why would you ever, why would anyone, and this is just anyone, why would anyone ever drop from a tournament because they opened a sweet card in a sealed pool? Why did I you mean, come to a magic so tournament? I went to Vegas Modern Masters 1. Yeah. Right? And my sealed pool that I opened and registered was a Tarmogoyf, a Cryptic Command, a Foil Path to Exile, and some other money card. Yeah. So, like, I thought about it. I was a little hungover from the night before because, you know, we're in Vegas. And I was just like, I'm not going to do well today. <laughs> so I legit, I, I looked at, I, I sat there for about five minutes and looked at my pool. Like, I, I registered it and I was like, nah, I'm good. I'm just, so I just got up left, got my 150 bucks for my cards, and then <laughs> went to go pass out in the hotel. <laughs> <laughs> Sure. And, and, you know, and like given like the way you were feeling that day, you know what I mean? Like, sure, I can see that as being. Yeah, if I wasn't hungover, I definitely would have sat there and, and, you know, took my pool and played it out. But I would have I would have passed the pool if it were six foil Tarmogoyfs. You crazy man. I would pass it. I don't Uh. care. I'm not I don't I don't buy a plane ticket. I don't throw down <laughs> on a hotel. I don't like, you know, pay $150 for an entry fee because that's how much we paid for these entry fees uh because we got the um <laughs> sleeping special that I won't need because I'm not going to have any buys. Uh anyway, well, no, like, uh, it was $75 anyways. Right, right. Well, I'm, I'm just saying like, you know, I'm throwing down all this money to go out to this event, you know, and I'm a married man. You know what I mean? I'm not going out there to open some packs, dude. I could go to Common Ground on May on May 30th or yeah, May 30th and and buy six packs of Modern Masters 2015 and open them up and then look at them and go, "Sweet, got six cards and six foils and go home." Like I could do that here. I don't got to go all the way out to Vegas to do it. You know, I'm not out there to open six packs and get some sweet foils. I'm there to win a tournament, you know? Every time I show up to a tournament, I'm there to win. And that's something that's changed about me over the years. You know, like that's like something – and I I don't think I ever would have dropped from a tournament for, for, for good cards. I think I've always been in the habit of not doing that. But, um, you know, my focus has gotten a lot more serious in, in these tournaments. You know, before I was showing up to play in the tournaments and, no, it'll be fun. But, like, I wouldn't go to Vegas if I didn't think I could win it. Well, my defense, Vegas has a lot of pretty toys and trinkets that it dangles in your face. <laughs> so yeah. it's very easy for you to to weigh the options of like, well, I could play magic or I could go get drunk at a casino or go to a strip club or blah, blah, blah. Like there's always just right, something right. like pulling you and. Right. Yeah, like, and, I, and I think that like that's going to be that's going to be the most fun thing about going to Vegas is that I'm like the absolute like I'm Vegas's least favorite person <laughs> because I don't drink. I'm married. I don't want to go to no strip clubs like I'll go play like hold them. I'll come up, I'll be up like 50 bucks and be like, sweet, made 50 bucks and just leave. You know, I don't, I don't get drunk, so I don't make irrational decisions. And well, maybe I make whoa, whoa, irrational whoa. decisions. I was about to say. Well, but, but I'm saying I don't, I don't make irrational decisions because I'm drunk. You, you, you put know. Void Squall on your deck. I, it's not a bad card in Sealed. 
dude. <laughs> it's not so bad offended. at all. So it's, not, it's not even nearly bad. It was just fine. Um, I boarded it out once or twice, but that was against more aggressive decks. But against some of the bomby, grindier decks, oh, it was great. No regrets. Way less regrets than Tygam's scheming. All right, <laughs> way less. Um, I will, I will, I will agree with that. Prob- that 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 was probably true. You probably yeah. got more value out of your Void Squall than out of Tygam's schemes. <laughs> There was a reason I had tie game scheme. I can't even remember at this point why, but what? I'm sure it was. It, did it have something to do with Delve? Like I'm, I mean, I'm it doing. did. It did. I just don't remember what. Oh my god! And that's why you aren't going to be in the Premier League next year. <laughs> but anyway, guy just dinked a penalty kick off the post. Unbelievable! Unbelievable! Um, Who are you? Yeah. No, really. Who are you? Um, so you guys are going to Vegas. You're both going to Vegas, correct? Yeah. Yes. So we're going to Vegas for sure. Excellent. Yeah, uh, we, we have, like, so one of our buddies has a timeshare in Vegas. Mm-hmm. So, like, the first time we went to Vegas, like, for Modern Masters 1, we were there. We decided that we are just going to do a yearly thing. And it just so happens that they're doing it in Vegas again this year. So we're going for, like, a week. We're going to be there, like. <laughs> are you, so, so you're going to be in town for the for the event, too? Yeah, absolutely. We're awesome. We're, Great. I'm landing the Friday before, and I'll be there until the Friday after. Nice. No, wow, that's great. Yeah, we're going. We're 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 flying in uh, early the Thursday morning, staying Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and we're leaving late Monday night. So yeah, so we booked with like a group of people, and like uh-huh. I think I would have booked by myself if I had realized that, like when we booked that they were going to be doing like events on Thursday and Friday. <laughs> like, yeah, I was like yeah. on Friday they're gonna be doing grinders. Like I have a buy. So I don't I'm not really interested in like doing like grinders and stuff like that for an extra buy. It's like whatever. But like like it's just like two days of drafting Modern Masters. Like just sounds awesome. Yeah. Like, I if I had realized that I would have probably just been like, well screw you guys, get your own flight. I'll go on Thursday. <laughs> right. But well, I know we'll probably wind up at least practicing the sealed a little bit before. We'll probably get some people together and practice a draft or two. And then, yeah, you can also just play in events. I might be grinding uh, to get points for, like, a buy because I'm close. And I will be close when we get there. But I'm not necessarily sure. Because it's, it's the current season or the season before, right? So, right. so but it's, like, um, yearly now. Right, right, so right. But like, I missed yeah. – Last year, I think, is the cutoff. Thirteen hundred. Last year, I finished at eleven fifty, so I missed by a bit. Um, this year, I'm getting close. I think I'm at about a thousand. So, like, um, I could get there, or I could win a grinder. I'm, I'm, I'm interested in trying a couple grinders. I'm also just fine playing nine rounds because I'm pretty confident in my play. So, like. Uh, That's the thing, though. Like, man, just any number of buys is so huge. Oh, it's like, great. It's, it's just like, like it's I play, so. I pay, like, I, the I difference paid between playing a seven special. rounder and a nine rounder. Like, oh. Yeah, yeah. I I paid for the sleeping special, so I I want to hopefully be able to sleep in a little. <laughs> so uh, want to earn it. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. I, it it was very presumptuous of me, but I don't care. But also, you know, I mean, like you get the limited edition. Uh, sleeves and deck box which are going to look really sweet um and then you've got the you know the pre-registered sealed pool so you don't have to show up for that right so yeah so it's so it's cool um i think it'll be good uh but anyway um 
what am I trying to say here? So speaking of like Modern Masters two. Yes. So um, so <clears throat> Modern Masters two has well, we've only gotten a couple officially spoiled cards. Um, Vendillion Click obviously uh, was spoiled as being the side event playmat, uh, which is cool because you can actually um, trade in your main event playmat, which a lot of people have given. Uh, you know, have really, uh, well, the main event play mat looks like garbage. It, it's got a weird frame. Yeah. Like it looks very thrown. Like it looks like a 12 year old who just discovered Photoshop threw it together. Like it's like, it's like got just like this super clean blue, like loop outline of it. And like extra X champion art. But it's like, it's, it, it looks like, I don't know. It looks like a pamphlet. Like, <laughs> it doesn't look like a playmat. It looks like just like a book cover or something. It doesn't look good. I think the playmat looks just fine. You're I actually wrong. like it. I actually <laughs> like it. Um, I'm just going to make sure I play in at least one side event and get both. Like, that's the thing. Like, I'm just like, you know what? As much as, like, I think they're both pretty cool, you know? Um, I just like it as a commemorative thing for Vegas. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, like, I don't, I don't particularly like the new Vendillion click art, but I think that the click playmat is much better looking than the Edge champion playmat, just because it's more colorful. And like, it's just, I think it's just better art and just not, doesn't look like a pamphlet. <laughs> I don't like, know, Joe, have you, have you seen the playmat? Yeah, like go, I, I, go to the top of the show notes. I don't know how you can defend it. Yeah, I like, see there's that. There's no I way can... to be like this. <laughs> <laughs> I want a Chuck E. Cheese play, man. <laughs> yeah, I actually yeah, the, pro- the proxy guy posted that. I thought it was pretty funny. That's really good. I think it looks fine, man. I don't know why, like, everyone's giving it such a hard time. Like, I think it's cool because, I mean, it is – there are three different events happening. They're all going to have the same play map, but with slightly different, like where the Vegas is, it's going to be the other cities, right? I'm assuming that, right? Well, yeah. So <clears throat> there's that. The champion play map is going to be for the three, like each, each one of the three modern masters turn, grand prix is going right. to have that play map. Right. Channel fireball made the, the click one or they, they sponsored the club. Right, right. But I think this is fine because you got to realize that this isn't, you know, America is not the world. So, um, so, so, you know, yeah, this one has the Vegas thing in the corner. And it, yeah, it does look like somebody slapped Vegas in the corner of this playmat because they did. Because there are three different cities that these events are being held in. And each city is going to have that piece with the city represented in that area. So, you know. Just stop defending it. Just stop. I think it's fine. <laughs> I got no problem with it. Now, I'm not – now, I, I'm – I mean, I'd be lying to you if I didn't say that the Vendillion click one looked way better because it does. It looks way better because it's beautiful art. Um, and it's – yeah, and it's got less – words on it, it's less busy you know and i think that's great 
but I think they're both good for their own reasons. I mean, this playmat had to do had there was a lot for this playmat to do, you know, because it had to represent three different Grand Prix, which is a tough thing for one playmat design to do. Now, the other thing is it's a playmat shut up stop worrying about it oh my god like we have no lack of crap to be miserable about you know it's bad enough being an everton fan okay i've had a miserable season but they made it out of relegation they're doing fine but really i mean a playmat what do you do with these playmats? Are you going to play this playmat every single time you play Magic? I don't use any of these playmats we get. They go in a... Well, this one, get... absolutely not. <laughs> all of my play... None of them. They all get rolled into a giant roll, and they're in my spare so, room. This is going to be a coaster use... slash mouse pad. I literally yeah, right? use one playmat. Like, I have saying. dozens, but I have just one. I, I use the Chandra <laughs> game day one. That's the That's one. That's what I... That's what I'm saying, man. Like, I've got my Yo! MTG Taps one that's got, like, blood stains on it or something. Like, you know, like, I don't use these playmats. Like, so what? I think it's cool. It's commemorative. It commemorates the event. Great. Goes in the corner. Save it. It's nice. Lovely. Move <laughs> on. Jeez Louise. Well, right. Love but you're not going to look at things. it ever because it's awful. <laughs> we just love hating things. I don't look at the ones that I love. The San Antonio one was the Alamo. It was amazing. I've probably looked at it twice since November. You know, like, it's just in my spare room. Mm, you should just I mean, look at it more. <laughs> the GP Houston one's pretty sweet. And that's like my, like, it was, the art on that's so good. It's like my alternate mat. Like, if I use mm-hmm. it a second one. Right, right. Yeah, it's so bad, like, playing Steven, because we have to play each other about once a tournament, and um, his playmat is the YoMTG Taps, but it's, like, brand new, and it looks all nice. <laughs> like, and next... Mine looks fine until it's next to or across from Steven's. It's like, oh, is and that what it, it looked like before? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of sad. So, yeah, so we don't know what cards are in the... <laughs> wow, that was a long tangent, wasn't it? <laughs> I'm sure some of it will get edited. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. Um, so uh, we have a rumor that has gone around. I don't know who exactly started it, but it's someone with apparently reliable information. Um, and we've got a list of the potential mythics. So I, mean, I don't know, but apparently he uh, had spoiled some cards for the first Modern Masters. And they were in the set. So everyone's kind of saying like, oh, he's a reliable source. Mm-hmm. So whether or not that's true or not, I don't know. But he did spoil some number of cards, um, mostly mythics, um, for the set. And if they are, even if half of them are in the set, it's going to be pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. So there's... Uh, uh, the 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 weirdest one that kind of like is kind of thrown up signals for people is like apparently Fulminator Mage has been spoiled as a mythic or something to that effect. No, 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 not not mythic. So here's so I'll just read the list real quick. So the list of of mythics uh, are Tarmogoyf, Dark Confidant, Vendillion Click, Kozilek, Ulamog, Emrakul, All Is Dust, Tezzeret the Seeker. Elish Norn, Iona, Splinter Twin at Mythic, 
Mox Opal and Karn Planeswalker, obviously. And then the other rumor is that, or the other rumors are that all five commands are going to be reprinted. Noble Hierarch will be reprinted. Goblin Guide and Fulminator Mage will all be reprinted. Those other ones are all going to be at com- or not common. <laughs> I almost said those other ones are all going to be at rare. So um, were all the commands printed in Modern Masters one? I think it was just Profane, Primal, and cryptic. it was just Cryptic. Okay. No, pro- so, uh, was Profane Command in? No. I don't think was so. It? Yeah, I, I can't think remember. it was just Cryptic Command. Yeah, I think it was just Cryptic Command. You're right. Like, I don't know for sure. It's been a long time, but I don't remember ever opening any of those other commands. <laughs> like, maybe Austere Command, but I don't think so. I would be pretty bummed if I op- opened an Austere Command in a Modern Master. Yeah. I don't know, man. That card's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely Cryptic Command. I don't remember if, it, if the black or green one was in. I'm, I'm almost certain they weren't be honest so, so that's i mean that i mean to be fair that's kind of weird that they would only print one like i i would be happy if they did reprint all five just so it feels complete like it right it just, like when there's a cycle of cards you don't put the cycle it just feels bad well <laughs> you know that was something the way somebody was uh talking about was uh with elish norn being on this list they're like what they're not going to print the other predators and uh, I forget, I think it was Nick was like, yeah, okay, you open an Urabrask at Mythic in your Modern Masters pack and tell me you're happy, you know? I don't know, man. Urabrask was really good in Limited. <laughs> yeah, kind of like, if they did the whole Praetor, was it Praetor? Praetor? Pra- Praetor, yeah. Richard Pryor cycle. Um, <laughs> it kind of would have just been like the, the Spirit Dragons or whatever it was from Kamigawa. Yeah, yeah. Where everyone was like, like you just didn't want to open those as your mythics. Right, right. Yeah, that's what I'm no, saying. Like, I mean, I don't know. They, like, they I, were I've, great and limited. I played though. a couple of drafts where I had a Yosei in my deck, and it felt good. <laughs> this, I mean, this list here, right? This list of mythics, I feel like the only one that you would kind of be like, ah, about is the Tezzeret. Splinter and, Twin and, Mythic? Splinter Twin on this list is Mythic, hmm. so... You know, and I feel, but I really just feel like the only card out of this entire list where you'd really be kind of disappointed in terms of value is Tezzeret. And even Tezzeret's not bad, you know? Um, so it's, it's a little weird. It's kind of, it's going to be interesting to see, like, because, like, Modern Masters was a very good limited format. Like, they, like, the, the draft, like, the, the thought and effort they put into that draft format was amazing. So, like, mm-hmm. I think it's a little weird to have cards like Kozilek and Ulamog and Emrakul. Like in the mm. set because I know how much effort that they put into the first, like the first Modern Masters. Yeah. So it's kind of weird to think of like what's going to be in Modern Masters to support these types of cards. Yeah. Please tell me they're going to reprint Polymorph. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> I, well, I, it wouldn't surprise me. But I mean, I imagine like a lot of um, art. So it could be cool. I mean, they, they could just turn it into like a kind of like a mini cube format where there's like a lot of like artifact acceleration. I mean, that's kind like, of how Modern Masters One was. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, like it was very like there was very kind of set like guidelines for what color combinations were supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. So and like there were ten different you know every two color combination had an idea of what they were supposed to be doing, and so. Like it's just like with still when you have stuff like that are so huge like this, 
Like, it puts a lot of pressure on the ramp strategy. And, like, the ramp strategy in Modern Masters 1 was kind of there, but it was kind of like a side strategy, you know, yeah. to the blue to the blue green suspend strategy. But, or and to some extent, the like the five color uh, d- Trump the Domains deck. But, like, like, when you have cards, like, that cost, like, 11 and 15 mana, like, what are you planning on putting in this format that's going to support those types of cards? Everflowing Chalice. Uh, maybe. maybe. Well, yeah, I mean, like, like, even that, like, I don't, like, you, if you get three counters on it, like, you paid six mana for it and you're at nine, like, it's still, like, like, I feel like it's more likely that there's going to be some, like, you were saying Polymorph, I, I feel like it's more likely that there's going to be a way to cheat them into play. Could be, yeah. Ooh, they should reprint through the breach. <laughs> I mean, Maybe that that wouldn't surprise me. Like if they it, they reprinted like through the breach or something like that. Like that card's legal, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that yeah, was that, in yeah, very was in very real. Possible. Champions Walker or the Comicology Walk, right? Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I didn't know if it was uh, not banned or anything. No, it's legal. That so, would I mean, actually ban it. That would not surprise me. Like if they did that. And like, I mean, Tezzeret. I mean, he doesn't do anything without artifacts. So, right. So I mean, yeah. I mean, if the if these are like legit spoilers, like then I, it seems very reasonable that there'd be some sort of artifact ramp strategy. Oh, now, they have Etch Champion and Mox Opal. I mean, Metalcraft, yeah, you got to have enough artifacts to do. So I guess there, there could be like some like so instead of the affinity strategy, the artifacts are all going to be like, I guess a ramp strategy. Hmm. I don't know. Like so, like I think their goal is to kind of keep the the cards kind of in circulation so i mean i wouldn't be surprised if they reprinted arcbound ravager again because that card's still it's not oppressive but it's like what 20 bucks 25 bucks something like that yeah yeah like it's 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 high enough that it's not it's not insubstantial like you know the stuff that people still want more of like you know and definitely if if they do pre-reprint mox opal that'd be great like that card is just ridiculously expensive for not really a good reason like (laughs) Like one deck plays it, like and the best deck though. So I mean, you know, what do you want? <laughs> Affinity, really? The best deck? Come on. Yeah. Come on. Come on. It also it Have also you feels Bloom Titan. <laughs> <laughs> I would never play that. Deck. <laughs> it's a great deck if you can like choose your opening seven. Yeah, pretty much. Um, well, that... and your opponent doesn't have Sundial of the Infinite. Just saying. Oh God. <laughs> oh no i think it's likely that you're gonna win if your opponent has that yeah <laughs> like regardless of what the other cards in their deck are there's a good chance you're gonna win <laughs> the other thing that kind of feels weird is that they're like reprinting all the well if this is right i know they're at least reprinting emrakul that's already been confirmed but you reprint right. the eldrazi and then you have battle for zendikar come out and it's like is there just gonna be like new eldrazi or well, it doesn't necessarily mean that the Eldrazi are going to be back in Battle for Zendikar. Well, that was the in the storyline. To my understanding, was that when like Gideon was combating the Zen the Eldrazi when the storyline left. So, like to my understanding, that there was no closure to that storyline. Hmm. Okay. I didn't know that. Well, and and so, in the art, there's a giant Eldrazi looking thing that he's fighting. Right. So, I mean, it, it makes sense that the, there's still Eldrazi there. Well, maybe they're like, you know, Kozilek 2 or whatever. Like, like so, like, I was just talking to my coworker, 
and uh, she's friends with a guy whose nickname is Trouble. And then her, her, uh, the guy's got a little brother, and his nickname is Issue. So, like, you know, maybe it's something like that. <laughs> maybe. It's <laughs> a lot of setup there. Yeah. <laughs> and that's true story, though. True story. Uh, and that, actually, that conversation just took place today. I'm not even making that up. <laughs> She's like... The guy's name is Trouble, and then his little brother, his nickname is Issue. He's like, yeah, yeah, Issue. My, he's Trouble. I'm Issue. Like, yeah. <laughs> so there's going to be like a wingman of Kozilek. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. It'll be like the the cycle of uh, when the, the corsets had like Garrick's companion and like okay. Jace's, <laughs> Jace's archivist or whatever. Ulamog's uh, Ulamog's showrunner, you know. <laughs> Ulamog's goat. Like yeah. So, yeah. That'll be that'll be great. <laughs> anyway, this is all wild speculation at this point. I would be to see if they actually. Yeah, it is. It is. I, I think it would be really cool if they. I, 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 to me, it seems like they kind of want to do the full art lands again for Zendikar. I. Why would they not do that? I mean, like, see, that's the thing like, I'm like, people most love look, Yeah. Like, I will be disappointed. Like, that's the problem with Battle of Zendikar. Because, like, it has, like, so many things associated with it that, like, it, there's almost no upside. Like, so if there's not enemy-colored fetch lands, people will be disappointed. If there's not Eldrazi, people are going to be disappointed. If there's not full, you know, full art, um, basic lands, people are going to be disappointed. If there's not allies, Steven will be disappointed. Not oh. word. <laughs> a lot of things. A lot of things. They got three of the there. four that they have to actually be concerned with. Um, but yeah, no, I mean you're right. You're right. There's a lot of pressure on them and a lot of expectations, like specific expectations, and that's really just you know crappy thing to put yourself under, right? I mean, like just kind of like I, we need. I don't to know. Do there this. was a, there was a lot of pressure on Ravnica to do the same thing, and like. Ravnica wasn't amazing, but like it was pretty awesome. Like you, you know, like I think that whole standard season is kind of kind of be identified by uh, Black Devotion and Sphinx's Revelation. Mm-hmm. But like those are iconic cards, and like to be fair, like do you, do you remember like back when the first Zendikar was around? Like there yeah. was like World Wake had so many good cards. That just never saw play because they were just like they were just overshadowed by the Titans. Like so like Rampaging Baylaw, that's that's an unbelievable card. Like if that card Absolutely. was in standard now, like every green deck would play it. Absolutely. But like when you have something like Primeval Titan, <laughs> like it's just like, oh that card just does nothing. Like, you know, right. like why why would I ever play Rampaging Bailoff when I could just be casting Primeval Titan? You know, well, that was our and like, that was our one uh, our one statement we made about standard back then was uh oh no, standard's a very diverse format. You can play any Titan you want. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know, like I think they're doing uh, a pretty good job. Like I think they realized what they had done up to that point and they were just making cards just unplayable based on like other cards that they had in the format. So mm-hmm. I think that they, they've kind of taken that. Like, I don't think they did it as much back then as they are now. So I think it'll be interesting to see, like, if they if they reprint some stuff that just didn't get much love the first time around, just to see yeah, if it gets more cool. love this time around, you know? Yeah. 
But. Yeah, and I could see the excuse for the full art basic lands because you know they got the whole new frame thing, and so they haven't done like a full art land of that yet. Well, it's like another like it's just like they just know that the players love it, and it's not something that you can do all the time. Yeah, but you know when you have reason to do it, like it makes sense to do it just because the players love it, you know. And like it's just like I I, I kind of I, I don't mind I guess because I have so many, but those things go for like a buck two bucks each. Like that's that's just not reasonable. I don't think any basic land should be a dollar or two dollars. You know, like it's just for something like that. Like you know, betas okay, whatever. Like guru lands, whatever. But like just a basic land that just happens to be full art that shouldn't be that much money. I mean, like I'm sure if they reprint them, it'll still be the same way. Like <laughs> it'll still be a dollar or two for that batch. So I'm sure there'll be different art. Yeah, I mean, yeah, for sure. But I mean, like, yeah, I mean, let's it's. it's Zendikar was just, I think Zendikar was kind of a turning point for magic. So it's kind of like really iconic. Like Ravnica was like, when we went back to Ravnica, like the old, old heads kind of were like, they kind of bopped up and were like, oh man, we're going back to Ravnica. But I think like Zendikar was kind of when this, not even like the newest school, but like the middle school kids kind of came in. Mm-hmm. And they're just, Zendikar just had like, just Worldwake, especially what Worldwake brought. Just brought like this, ushered in this whole new kind of era of magic. And everything after that is just kind of been different from everything before Zendikar. Does that it make has. sense? Yeah, it really, you know, it really has. There's really, it really does feel like there is a line. Like, cause, I mean, like, you had cards that were so powerful that we had our first bannings in standard in years. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, it's not. I don't. I don't think it's irrelevant to say like that's when Duel of the Planeswalkers was not too long after that, like the the Xbox game. Like yeah, I, I mean, sure. I think that that game's done a lot for Magic. Like the I don't think Magic would be where it's at now if we didn't have things like that, like the the Duel of the Planeswalkers for Xbox. Like I mean, it did a great job. That's how I started playing players. again. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. And like the the cross promotion that they did with the actual like buy buy this product, go get a real card. Like, that was huge. Like, so many people, like, just, you, like, working in a game shop, you just come across people who are just like, yeah, like, we, you know, X amount of people started playing this game because of Duel of Planeswalkers, and it's just like, buy this, crazy. Yeah, buy, buy this video game, and then we lure you into our van, and we make you touch the addictive ink. Yeah, yeah pretty it's, much. It's, it's perfect. The first hit is always free. That's right. <laughs> it's, it's just a different type of crack cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the crack a pack smell. Crack a pack. The, the <laughs> emphasis on the crack, though. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, pretty good. Um, cool. So, just one more thing, uh, real quick, uh, and it is kind of a big deal, but uh, it's not something any of us got to experience firsthand. But um, did you actually go to the regional PTQ, Chris? Who me? No, 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 no. Like I, I'm, I'm not good enough to be cute for this. No, I know, but, 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 but you're, but you're staying like up in Plano, right? And you, yeah. And you play it, and you play it, Madness. I didn't know if maybe because that was the Saturday, right? Well, so, so I thought maybe. Yeah, the the they had the RPTQ at this place called Comic Asylum. Oh, that's right. It wasn't at Madness. Yeah. I'm forgetting that. Which I, I think everyone kind of assumed it'd be at Madness, just because Madness is like the biggest shop, like yeah, anywhere. <laughs> like literally just a game shop in a grocery store spot 
in a in a strip mall. Like it's literally yeah. in like a food line. Like <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. But um yeah, like it was at this place called Comic Asylum, which is a fine shop. It's just small. And like when you when you hear the numbers of like you're expecting between like forty and seventy people at these events to know like Comic Asylum was that small. Like I I, I drafted there, you know, a few times, probably like half a dozen times. And it's just not that big. Like I don't right. know how they fit that many people in there. Mm-hmm. Right, but right. I guess they did. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's where it was. I mean, it's actually pretty amazing to me uh, because I was really expecting these tournaments to be way larger than they were. And there's a great article on uh, hipstersofthecoast.com um, about the inaugural regional PTQ weekend uh, that we'll post a link to in the show notes. And it breaks down the numbers of like the projected versus the actual number of players in each one of these events. And it's just a really cool thing to look at. Um, but I was really expecting these events, especially one in like this area, because I figured that our event would feed a wide arc you know what I mean? Just because we're kind of in the center of the country. Right. So I thought we'd really feed in a lot of different states and a lot of different events. But our event only had 47 players. There were only 49 qualified. 47 showed up. And um, 46 got to play in round two. Because there was a DQ round one because a player registered Scapeshift in a <laughs> standard event. Uh, they didn't, I they must have not realized what format it was. <laughs> and, uh, they showed up with a modern deck. Well, registered so it. I was, uh, to, to kind of piggyback on what you were talking about before. Like, I don't, I think that the, there's a lot of kinks that they're still trying to work out with this system. Mm-hmm. But I mean, like I was talking about it with the guy out front smoking, you know, smoking a cigarette before the, the PPTQ on Sunday. It was just like, I think there's just not. It it's puts a lot of pressure. The new system puts a lot of pressure on the few L2s that there are mm. to to do all the work. Yeah. Right? So, because, like, the, the thing with, like, PPTQs is that they have to be run by an L2. And, right. like, I don't know. Talking to this guy and, and talking to John Trout, like, there's about 10 in the Dallas area. Like, you know, if you if you spread out 50 miles from, from Dallas's center... Right. To like this this hundred mile I guess diameter, like there's about ten L twos in that area and about twenty shops give or take. Yeah. And like where I'm from, Richmond, there's about three L twos and there's seven shops. But I mean, like even branching out from there to like the 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 Virginia Beach area and into Northern Virginia and stuff like that, like it's putting a lot of pressure on the very few L twos there are to do all those events. So like when you have every shop trying like clamoring to do an event. You know, in trying to figure out which event, you know, which day is not taken, which L2s are available. You're basically telling all the L2s, like, well, we need you for every event, for every weekend for the foreseeable future. Right. Like, there is a shop that will need an L2. And, like, that's the thing. Like, and and judges, you know, obviously they're in a a place where they can kind of name their price and say, oh, this and that, blah, blah, blah. But, like, there's, like, the good guys who are just like, yeah, I just want to help the community. But they're just basically giving up their weekends forever. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? That's not cool. And like, I think that's like, a, I mean, it's it's kind of a big deal. Like, because I mean, I don't know how many around here didn't fire because they didn't have an L2. But there was quite a few of them back home 
like in surrounding areas, all of Richmond's fired, but like ones like in Lynchburg and Virginia Beach that didn't fire because they couldn't find an L2. Hmm. And I mean, that from what I've heard, that's a big deal in a lot of places, especially places that aren't like central to a, a metropolitan area, you know, like kind of the places that are a little bit more on the sticks, you know, like what do you expect? Like you expect you, you have to somehow get an L2 to drive 100 miles out to your little podunk shop to run an event. Like, what do you have to do to make that worth it? Right, right. And that's uh, it's bad. Yeah, so. I mean, I think it's definitely something that they have to visit. And I think that their numbers indicate, like, the numbers are way lower than they thought were going to happen. Like, you know, I, I think Wizards kind of got an eye-opener. I don't know if they're going to revise it anytime soon. But I think definitely some sort of revision has to happen just to kind of get the player numbers up. Like, and it, it's not even the player's fault. Like, there's players who want to play. They're just events that can't fire because they don't have L2s. What was the uh, threshold where the entire top eight would make uh, would qualify for the Pro Tour? I think 128. Yeah, like, I mean, I think only, like, a couple of them even hit that level, like, globally. Like, one, I think. Or, like, one or two of them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, total. Yeah. That's pretty crazy. So, like, they clearly expected that, like, yeah, the larger RPTQs, the top eight will qualify. And... Well, so my buddies back home, they went to the one in North Carolina, which kind of fed the South and the East Coast, right? Mm-hmm. Theirs was a six rounder. So that means that less than 64 players were there. Mm-hmm. And that, that that seems crazy. Like for the for what that was feeding, because there was what, eight in, the, eight in the United States that weekend, right? Like there's eight regions. So, yeah. so like... For most of them to be in that that number of like you know forty to sixty, seems it just seems off. I mean, I, I I don't know if that's what they planned, but it just seems like going from like where you have PP, you know, the, the old PTQ system where there was a lot less of them, but like huge turnouts for them, versus like now you have these weird PPTQ systems where the turnouts aren't that great. Like, like just from talking to people here, talking to people back home, they don't often crack like i was very surprised that 62 people were at this event on sunday so was i it's the, i think it's the biggest event that they've held at cgg so far so right. and like i i for a pptq like I, I i i hadn't seen that yet i hadn't seen that many people show up and I, i'm sure probably the cash purse that they were offering had something to do with it oh yeah but course. i mean and sealed like, i mean most of them were around 30 players you know the 30 to 40 range and I do want to make a quick correction from last week's show. Um, what I was talking about was that the game day that I played in uh, was very competitive and a lot of ringers showed up. Um, and that is still true, okay? And I my, my, my statements on how I felt playing in the event stand. But um, I haven't had a chance to play much Friday Night Magic. Actually, I pretty much am not playing Friday Night Magics or Wednesday Night Magics anymore. Um, a lot of those ringers are now regulars at that shop. And I just haven't been at anything <laughs> but competitive events. Um, so I wasn't actually aware of that. And it's awesome. It's great to know that some of the more uh, competitive players in the area are coming to our shop. Because that just improves everybody's play. You know, more the better players you have there, the better everyone can step their game up um so uh but yeah so anyway so i learned that but anyway uh go on i apologize uh, i just wanted to make that correction because no, no. not it wasn't just a bunch of people showing up trying to spike an event they were but they also happen to be playing at our shop now so cool 
anyway. No, I mean, Thanks. yeah, I mean, Sorry like, to derail everything. No, 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 no. I mean, I was closing up. That was that was about all I was going to say about the the PBTP. Oh, so. oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I mean, like, because like it it, it kind of got to a point where like there's a lot of things going on in Magic in general that kind of just kind of steered me away from competitive play. Uh huh. And like the fact that GPS are now about fifty percent more than they were five years ago, like just entry fee wise. Like that's a big deal. Like that, like as much as the game has grown, and for that kind of jump in entry fees is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like you know, like I understand for stuff like GP Vegas and stuff like that. Yeah, that's kind of a big deal. Like I paid sixty at the last one, paying seventy five at this one. It's not that big a deal when you're dropping like three hundred dollars to fly out there, right? But like, right, right. you know, just like you know, SCG events. You know, when or I my when case. I first started doing. Oh, I'm sorry. I said, or in my case, twenty eight dollars. But anyway, <laughs> my round trip ticket. We're not as charmed as you. <laughs> I uh, I had a voucher from one of my friends, <laughs> but uh... but I mean, like SCG events when I when they first started doing it, they were twenty dollars. You know, right. now they're like forty. Forty? I thought they were like fifty. Oh, sure. I mean, to be fair, I haven't played in an SCG like open in probably three years. Like last time we played in one, it was fifty, right, Stephen? Yeah, oh, you're asking the wrong guy. It was definitely fifty. Um, the uh, the IQ the next day would have been thirty if I didn't make day two of the uh, open. So, uh, but it was fifty bucks. Right. So I mean, but like, like just regular GPS. Now they're all like forty, fifty bucks. You know, they. It's just the price has gone up a lot, and now on top of that, like the the PPTQ way, the revisions that they've done to the to that whole thing. Like it just makes it so it's like less appealing for me to want to try. So I mean, like I still do it just because all my friends do it. You know, it's just a it, it it's still magic is still to me what it always has been was like a, a social outlet. And because my friends that play it are competitive, I still do it. But I don't have the fire as much as I used to because of everything that they're the way that they're kind of steering everything. And it's you know it sucks to some extent, but it's also kind of relieving in other senses you know mm-hmm. sure yeah it's yeah, less it's pressure burden yeah. yeah absolutely um now i just want to really uh briefly in terms of these regional ptq results um the one result that i'm most excited about out of everyone who competed <laughs> is that my main man michael j <laughs> michael j killing it killing it with Five colored. It was uh, five colored dragons, right? Or so mono that's, blue. That's a little misleading. It is. So it, it was basically mono blue. Okay, so right. like all the spells in the deck are blue except for the Ojitais and the Dragon Lord Dramokas. So it had <sighs> Bant lands, all blue spells, and multicolored dragons, and it had the other multicolored dragons in the board. It's beautiful. It's running a. Uh... <laughs> The, the the really cool card is Crucible, uh, Crucible of the Spirit Dragon. Oh yeah, it's playing it's playing isn't it playing four of both of the lands? Yeah, yeah. It's just because like especially like versus Esper Dragons where you kind of just like stare at each other because you all have counter spells. It gives you a mana sink, and eventually you just like you build up, build up, build up, build up, and then you tap it, remove all the X counters, and play your Dramoka, which is uncounterable. <laughs> and, then, and then you can tap the rest of your lands to do whatever you want on your turn. 
<laughs> it's so sweet. That is so amazing. And uh, I might or might not have bought uh, 20 of them from Star City Games. They had them on their little spring sale. <laughs> wow. Very good. <laughs> yeah. They had them, it was like 50 cents. Nice. Good work. They're still 50 cents. They're still 50 cents. <laughs> nothing, I have not made any money off of this. This is, this is me potentially wasting money. Uh, to be fair, the Haven was a card that would have been a good card to speculate on because when it first came out, I think it was like two dollars. Oh yeah, and now it's like five. So. Yeah, but I'm just saying if this deck becomes even like a remotely a player. Oh come on, you know it's not is. gonna. I. <laughs> it's a Flores deck. Now I mean, like as much as I love Mike, uh, Mike's decks are what they are in that particular week. You know what I mean? Like Mike and then Mike and Mike would tell you that. Yeah. You know, it's like he builds decks that are, that are definitely, he, he's, he is the best at dissecting a meta game in a particular week and making a deck that's going to smash that meta game. And he made that call and he smashed that meta game, man. And I'm so proud of him because we get to see Michael J. I mean, in the, look at the pro stuff, tour. It's basically, it's there basically, is justice in the world. It's basically <laughs> blue, black control. With no with, with without the black removal, okay, right. But it's still like the blue counter spell package, the blue uh, card draw package, the perilous vault, and then it just plays with awful mana, so that you can play these awful creatures. <laughs> <laughs> and like the awful creatures, to be fair, are all very good once they're landed. They're awful because they're so inconsistently being cast. But he made it more consistent by playing these awful lands. <laughs> <laughs> So it's like this weird mixture of awful and perfect genius to to be this deck that will probably not be a, a deck. Like, he's he's a good player, and he probably spiked an event that just had a whole mess of, uh, you know, Esper Dragons there. Because it seems like this deck will probably do pretty good against that. But, right. like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I'd be surprised if this put up any more, any more results. I mean, just because Flores is Flores, and any... Any random person picking up this deck will probably be probably be disappointed with their results because they're not Mike Flores and the deck's not that good. <laughs> if, it, it, if Esper Dragons continues to be widely played, although I don't, I, that's yet to be seen because like you still look at the SCG uh, results and people are just still have not picked up that deck. Well, um, no, I mean, so like the 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 last one in Providence, there was like three people in the top eight that played Esper Dragons. Well, that's not bad. <laughs> and, like, uh, I mean, that's the thing. It's it's still, like, good players need to play blue spells, you know? And, like, it's the, the one of the bigger decks that came out of Pro Tour that's giving Esper Dragons a run for its money is the Bant deck. The Bant, the Ojitai Bant. Yeah. It's like, no, uh, well, Bant Heroic oh. won Providence, but the there's, like, a Bant mid-range deck. Yeah, it's Craig Wesco. He played that at the Pro Tour. Yeah, that apparently... Apparently has a really good matchup against Esper Dragons. So that's picking up a lot of steam because Esper Dragons has become such a good deck. That deck is coming up underneath it and kind of making a name for itself, despite the fact that Craig Wesco played it. <laughs> <laughs> like, just being like, oh, this actually has a really good matchup against the quote-unquote best deck in the format. Like, And it has a reasonable abs in matchup. So it... it it's kind of picking up a lot of steam. And I, I, the deck looks really good. It plays with good cards. It's playing Ojutai, for God's sake. I mean, which is just the greatest thing since sliced bread. So, 
Well, you my, apparently my really have a high opinion. You have a high opinion of sliced bread, Chris. So <laughs> anyone who knows me well knows that I love sandwiches. Like, just sandwiches are just the best thing ever. Sure. This is you ever have a, You ever have a sandwich with uh, pretzel bread? Yeah, I was disappointed. Like, really? the first... Because I got so much hype. And, like, I really love pretzels. And it just yeah. didn't... It just... It wasn't everything I wanted it to be. It was good. It, it, I just feel like yeah. it had a lot of... <laughs> Can I tell you what you should believe the hype in, though? <clears throat> What the the pretzel stuffed crust from Pizza? Oh Hut. Jesus! My God, I, is I it amazing? So, uh, we got a pizza with um with olives and like sweet tomato sauce and then like balsamic uh drizzle, and then the pretzel crust stuffed crust, and it was just like this super sweet pizza with like this like salty end. It was amazing. It was so good. <laughs> Highly recommended. Could not recommend high enough. So good. Couldn't, couldn't uh, support one of the local guys? You just got to go straight for Pizza Hut, huh? <laughs> Do the local guys have pretzel stuffed crust? I don't think so. <laughs> so, with that said, Pizza Hut. No doubt. Uh, I, don't, I forgot Pizza so Hut's slogan. <laughs> Pizza Hut's slogan is, it's not going to kill you this time. Yeah, they're like, or no, I'm thinking about Domino's. Domino's, Domino's is the slogan. one where they're like, their new thing is like, it. We've changed our logo from Domino's Pizza to just Domino's. Because we're not we're just pizza. Yeah, and we're still horrible conservatives who you shouldn't support. It's like we were barely um, pizza to begin with, so we want. But to now we have our... barely cookies. Yeah, barely <laughs> pasta, <laughs> barely sandwiches. <laughs> It's it legally meets the definition of food, Domino's. <laughs> <laughs> At least it's not cancer, Domino's. Not yet. No, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, that seems good. I feel like their menu items are like just bets. On. <laughs> just like there's no way there's no way the American consumer will eat that. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Try it. It's like, well, I'll be Wait, did we just put cheese whiz and soy sauce on this pizza? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a hit. People love it. Like, all right. Keep I it rolling. one or the other. I've put soy sauce on pizza before. That's, that pizza also had uh, spring rolls on it. So soy sauce seemed appropriate. How much cheese whiz was involved, though? That's the question. Absolutely none. There and you. no. I, I think that that is like crossing streams in Ghostbusters. You just don't. <laughs> there, there is a local uh, pizza place. It was founded by the dudes that run this like Vietnamese restaurant called Delot, so it's called Zolot, and they like they 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 take pictures of the pizzas that they're working on. They have some like crazy ones like pastrami pizza, but they're working on a pho pizza. Yeah, they're working on a pho pizza. Yeah. Oh my goodness! You got to be kidding me. So is it is it a pizza or is it like a soup? No, it's a pizza with like all the ingredients in pho. That's amazing. Like, okay. I, don't know. I was like, yeah. is it like a, a soup that's got pizza ingredients in it? <laughs> no, no, no. Awesome. Well, it was fun, man. Thanks for having me on. Like, it's it's been like it's been a while since I podcast, so it, it feels good just to talk to other people again on the the mic. Yeah, no, I'm glad, man. I'm glad we got to have you on. Um, you know, maybe I mean for sure we'll meet up in Vegas, and then uh, I got you got my number, I got your number now, so uh, you know we'll definitely be in touch. Absolutely, um, man. 
and then if you want to, you know, if you want to talk to us about your experience at Vegas, um, you know, did I tell you the most awesome news about Vegas? Yeah, Joe, uh, Joe, Joey Pasco's Joe, gonna be. Joey's going to be there. Yeah. Um, and I actually uh, don't think we've mentioned it on the show yet because it wasn't public knowledge, but uh, it is now. Uh, Joey Pasco is was named. I don't know if he's the or one of the. I imagine he's one of the staff photographers for Wizards of the Coast uh, for this event. Uh, because he did a great job with his pictures from uh, Pro Tour DC. They love those pictures. They're on our blog if you want to check them out. Uh, but they named him one of the staff photographers, so he's going to be in Vegas. So uh, hopefully, he assuming gets flown that, out for free. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the greatest thing is that like you know I was asking him. I'm like, so you going? He's like, Nah, I don't play limited. Nah, you know and I don't even think I'd go if I if it was modern or something. But then now he's going to be working so he's like yeah i'm going and i'm staying there and blah 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 so we'll get to hang out with joey uh hopefully if you know assuming that we are able to record around you know when he's free uh we're going to record podcast with joey um and it'll be great and maybe what we'll do is probably do a little field recording too along the way over the weekend and then i can just compile it all just hijack people uh, in, the, in the, the event hall yeah oh yeah no well we've done that before at events uh but i'd like to bring that back now that i feel like i have a phone that i can reliably do that with just be fun i've never been to vegas before so i'm looking forward to it oh dude you, you're um, saying that like you won't have fun like that's the thing about vegas it's oh, like, I'm gonna have a great well, no, no. time. I'm, you're I'm, saying like oh, earlier, you were saying like, oh, I don't, I don't drink, I don't gamble, is that much? No, I'm just the guy they don't want there because I'm not gonna make irrational decisions. Oh. Well, they'll, they'll find, they'll find a way to hook you. That's what Vegas does. <laughs> I'm just a giant mark. <laughs> yeah, I know. You're here. like, oh, thank God. Uh, I've, I'm excited. I'm more excited to live vicariously through Steven than I am to do any degenerate gambling of my own. Yeah, so, man, it's been awesome having you on the show, Chris. Um, maybe I'll light a fire under you and get you in detail to, uh, to rise from the grave and, uh, and, and record a new, a new show or something. Uh, it would be nice to see. We talk about it every uh, once in a while. <laughs> y'all, sh- y'all should do it. Throw something out there, man. It'd be nice. Uh, but anyway... Uh, it's been cool having you. I'll see you in Vegas. Oh, yeah, um, and uh, it'll be a great time. Absolutely. Uh, but anyway, until next time, we are Yo MTG Taps. Quit bitching and start brewing. Oh, f- <laughs> you! What? What'd I do? No! No! What? It, it's stop bitching, start brewing. Stop oh, okay. Okay. Go again. <laughs> What a shocking bad close. <laughs> Quite frightful. Uh. <laughs> um, all right. Do you want me to do it again? <laughs> no, 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 no. So, so, yeah, I guess you could just say it again. Okay, okay just say it again. Fix Stop. it in post. Ah! <laughs> Stop bitching and start brewing. Sound like you said brooming. Uh, stop bitching and start brewing. Blooming onion. Blooming yeah, onion. but but per, pretend you just read some really bad news about a family member, and stop and now you have to say start it. brewing. That sounded more like you actually were just saying ho hum. But but um. But but now you you hear some you hear a knock at the door. You don't know who it is. You open it up and you see it's a friend <laughs> who you haven't seen in years, and now you say it. Oh, stop.
bitching. Start brewing, man. It's good. You know what? We'll 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 go over the notes here, and um, we'll give you a call. Yo, MTG Taps is available every bloody Friday forever on legitmtg.com. I want my mtg.com, mtgcast.com, and iTunes. Email us yoMTGTaps at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Tumblr yoMTGTaps.tumblr.com. Follow us on Twitter at yoMTGTaps. Follow me on Twitter at omgwtfbhjftw. Follow Stephen on Twitter at m00npi. Follow Joey on Twitter at Affinity for Blue. Featuring music by You'll Never Know and Logic Marsalis. Available at magneticmoments.bandcamp.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>